0: Together, thanks for joining us online. We're gonna lift our voice. Sing to the Lord, come on. The foundation, our rock, the only solid ground. Nations rise and fall. He strong, we're shaken. We trust forever in when you declare it, so against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power
1: a seat it's good to be with you this morning as you have a seat i want you to watch this quick video when you pack shoebox gifts with operation christmas child you're sending joy and blessing children all over the world through your simple act of kindness children experience the love of jesus are disciples through the local church and are empowered to reach their families and communities with the good news of jesus christ to send joy to children all over the world, visit SamaritansPurse.org OCC. Did I say good morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you guys online as well. Join our church family this morning. A few things. Guys, listen. Operation Christmas Child. So grab a box. Last service, my son and, and Mason were handing out boxes like vacuum salesmen in the, in the hall. And it was like, man, they're putting hands, putting boxes on in hands. And I was like, I love that, just on mission. Um, but I want to let you know, if you want to catch a little tiny glimpse of this bigger picture, talk to Deb Metcalf. Deb Metcalf has been doing a phenomenal job with Operation Christmas Child. Can we thank oh God, God, God for Deb? I- She met with the staff early in October, and she's been driving this because she is seeing the bigger picture, which is to see people come into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and I love that. And so grab a box as you leave, and then bring it back the week of the 16th through the 23rd of November. There's more information on our website, as well as OperationChristmasChild.org or Samaritan's Purse. So check out those websites, great videos, great resources on there as well to do things with your kids, activities, how to share with your neighbors, how to share with people at work. So check out all those resources on there. Um, I also want to let you know, trunk and treat was awesome. How many of you got to go? Yeah, it was, it was, listen, uh, uh, listen, 59 degrees and not rain. It was like, you know, sunny and 75 here in Pittsburgh. It was beautiful. Like it was wonderful. It was, you know, we saw so many people come out and it was great just being able to interact with our community, you know, being able to have a party and invite people up here so they can see why we have something to be joyful about. You know, why do we have something to be joyful about? Because we have Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, I love that. And so that was a phenomenal opportunity we had. And so thank you for serving, for praying and for just coming and and just being a smiling face and just joining us. It was an awesome, awesome time. And so uh, Crystal, can we just recognize Crystal Wrecker? She is our executive assistant and she planned that event. And Crystal did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. She was she was, you know, she was delegating okay, you buy hot dogs, you buy candy. And then we get like 100 more people. She's like, all right, you buy way too much candy. You buy way too much hot dogs. And so it was it was fun. You know, and I love the simplicity of that event. So thank you, Crystal. Wonderful, wonderful job. Um, Thanksgiving Eve. I know we're like November, right? Today's November 1st. Anybody enjoy that extra hour? A few of you? Yeah, I woke up. You're like, just felt a little bit better. Um, but Thanksgiving Eve is coming up the 25th of November. So join us for a night of testimony. Uh, people sharing their stories of how they've been changed by Jesus, of communion, of song, and, and just a, a one a all-around just good time as we... Give thanks, like so much to be thankful for. I was reading in scripture this week and it said that, you know, the, the people of wisdom that you seek out, you know, they tell of God. They praise God for the wondrous things that he has done. And they tell of his strength. And I think of these times where we can say, you know, look at God, look at all you've done. You've, you've held us, you've kept us and you've been strong through all these days. And so we're going to give thanks on November 25th at 7 p.m. here in the auditorium. And then the last thing is to light the world. Uh, we have a, a light experience. as Christmas outreach. Um, if we could pull up that next um, picture, so just to connect the dots a little bit. So if you've been to Ogilvy, you've seen as you drive through, they had the lights, the tunnel, and so we want to create that here in our parking lot. And so you're kind of going, okay, what in the world does this look like? Well, two things. One, talk to Beth the Petro in the lobby, and she'll be able to get you on that team. If you can decorate, if you can build, if you can just... You know, walk around and, and be a runner. Um, if you can drive a golf cart, there's all kinds of different opportunities to to be uh, to be on this team. So check with Beth in the lobby. And the second thing is, what we want to do is we want to have light stations all throughout our parking lot, so people can can walk through it. Um, we can drive around golf carts and just show people, you know, that there's something greater. Because ultimately, we're going to go through all those different stations and being able to see the lights, and then we're going to get to the greatest light, which is Jesus Christ, and His birth. And so. Jump into that. This is, I don't, we've never done anything like this here. So let us let this be a phenomenal opportunity. And let's just jump in. Let's be faithful and step out in faith and jump on that team. Talk to Beth as you guys leave. Thank you guys for being faithful. You guys are faithful people. This is a church is faithful to the mission of God. And as we do that, we are faithful in giving. Thank you for continuing to be faithful. Many of you give online. Many of you give through the mail and, and the boxes on the wall. But thank you for being faithful. It is uh, God's calling us to just trust Him, and I know you guys are all trusting Him. So thank you for being faithful. Let's continue, I pray as we continue on this morning. Lord, um, we just think about your word that says, Today is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will celebrate. And so, Lord, we, we sing songs like, The battle belongs to you. Truly, Lord, the battle belongs to you, the battle of our minds, our hearts our careers, battle of raising our children to know you, the battle of just trying to be a glimpse of you, Jesus, in this world, that that battle is not ours to win. It is yours that has already been won. And so, Jesus, we um, just celebrate what you did on the cross. We celebrate, Lord, that you are a risen king. And Lord, as we go into this week, Lord, ignite our hearts. Help us to be captivated by you, Jesus. Not captivated by a candidate, but captivated by you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this morning that we have an opportunity to exalt you, to worship you, and to give, uh, Lord, and to um, just just build unity. Lord, this is a place of refuge, a place of respite. Thank you for this church. Um, Thank you for this place we can be in. We ask all things in Jesus' name.
0: praise the one who's rescued our soul and the the one who's welcomed us home father i thank you that you've been ahead of us and that you've been behind us and you know what's to come and you know what's been so father soften our hearts as we hear your word this morning we love you everybody said amen
2: Glad to be here this morning. What a great God we serve. Let's thank our great God. What a great God. Amen. Uh, before we jump into the message, I want to encourage you all. And when you're coming in, you'll see they have the table there in the door. Uh, grab, grab the message notes so you can follow along. And then we also have the birthday gift to Jesus list. I'm going to encourage everyone to grab one of this list. On it has our our list for this year, 2020. Our list of ninety thousand dollars worth of projects. And I know that's a big goal. It was a big goal last year. It'll be a big goal this year. And, uh, while the pandemic has been hard on us here in the states, I want you to know it's been even harder around the world. Uh, I know of several missionaries that are struggling with support right now, uh, just because others have saying, hey, we don't have it. We can't give it. So I want to, I want to encourage you. Would you pray with me about this? Let's, let's look at the, what God has for us to do. Uh, Every year we are able to take the birthday gift to Jesus. We uh, take Christmas and we say, let's put Jesus at the top. And we give more to Jesus than anybody else. So, I mean, we still give gifts to everybody. We have a good time. But we give more to Jesus than anybody else. And pray about your part and ask God. Say, Lord, if you'll provide for me uh, what what you want, would, would would you give it to me? And so I'll tell you what, for for, uh, for my wife and I, we pray about this every year, and we ask God to supply, and we've already seen God's uh, his provision in an incredible way already. And as I look at his provision, I can see that uh, all right, as, I, as I've gotten some things that have come out of nowhere, I mean, just like some crazy things have happened to us, uh, this happened again to us this year, our health insurance company said, hey, you were healthy this year, we're going to give you some money back. I'm like, What? That just doesn't happen, right? So that's a little bit extra. And so we're able to take that. And it basically, it doesn't mean that I'm healthy. It means I didn't go to the doctor, right? So, so, so what that means is they, they gave us a refund or they just charged too much in the beginning. And I don't know what that's all about. But my point is we are taking that. We're giving that to the, to the missionaries. It's going to be our birthday gift to Jesus. And we're asking God to supply above and beyond. Ephesians 3.20 says that God can do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, please take this and, and begin to pray about your part. You can give online. Uh, it's on our website. You go to the church website. You'll see this list is on the website. Uh, we'll have these here. In a week or two, we'll have out the directory so you can see pictures of everybody where this will be going to. But as I look at it, I'm seeing people on here. We're, we're supporting several missions in Haiti. We have several in Ecuador, Israel, Panama, Ireland, the Czech Republic, England, um, Nepal, Panama, Indonesia, the Philippines, and, and the list goes on. So I want to encourage you, let's uh, let's put this at the top, make Jesus number one as we approach Christmas, and uh, let's just ask God that he would uh, allow us to be the supplier. Amen? Actually, he's our supplier. we will asking him to, to meet the needs as we are able to give to others around the world. And then I also want to give you an encouragement update. Last week I asked you to pray. For Ken Myers, 87 years old, in our church, was in the hospital battling the coronavirus. He was in there for two weeks, and he was released to go home, and he is recovering well at home. Can we thank God for that, folks? All right? We are so thankful for all that God is doing there. And uh, that's just amazing that God would allow us to to, to see some of these miracles. And I, I know that others have not seen that. But uh, in our church, I'm very thankful. Everybody that I know that that has been in contact... Has, uh, has come through on the other side, and they're doing well. And uh, people that have had it, some have been hospitalized, others have not been, but uh, God has just been gracious to our congregation. So I just want to pause and thank the Lord because he is good. It is all from his hand. Amen? So let's go to the Lord. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church, Lord, to participate in the birthday gift of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing and the great things that you will continue to do. Uh, As we uh, just put you first, Lord, those needs around the world, um, they're just opportunities for you to flex your might and your power. And, Lord, we're coming to you because we are identifying and agreeing with your mission globally, Lord, to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as that happens globally, I just ask now, Lord, that you will allow this to happen in, in our local congregation, that we'll just sense and connect with your greater mission, Lord, provide. Do what only you can do, and we will honor you, we'll will bless you. And uh, God, I'm thankful for, for all, the, all the gifts that as we come together, Lord, and we, we are able to give uh, above and beyond our tithe and our offerings, we give this special offering to you, Lord. So we just uh, are so thankful for that and ask that you'll continue to bless this church, Lord, as we seek you in this way. Father God, I also lift up to you Ken Myers. Thank you for his recovery, that he's doing well at home. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the way he has served in this church for 40 years, and he, is, uh, he comes up here weekly, every week, uh, not only to worship, but also to serve, and so God, I pray that you'll put your hand upon him, Lord, and do many great things in, in, uh, in his life. Lord, be with others that are in contact with the virus. Some are home quarantining, others are, have been near somebody who cause them to be needed in need of quarantine and others are just being extremely cautious lord so i pray for those that are joining us online out of caution and others that are uh, that that are uh, in quarantine we just lift all these people up to you lord thank you we know that you are a great healer you're the great physician you are the one who protects you are the one who guides we just ask your guidance now in your precious name we pray amen uh, this morning we're going to continue on our series, The Blessed Life. You know, Jesus gave the greatest sermon ever. And when you think about the greatest sermon ever, it takes the weight off of me, right? Jesus already gave it. I just get to tell you about it, all right? Uh, my sermons aren't as good as the greatest Jesus. He was a great sermon master, right? But uh, we've been going through the introduction to, the, uh, to this sermon. The introduction to the sermon was known as the Beatitudes. It is uh, eight statements where he says, happy, blessed. And so when you see that word blessed, think about happy. So if you want to be blessed, you want to be blessed by God, you want God's happiness, his joy in your life, he's gone through a number of these statements. And so today we're going to go over here to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Let's read it aloud together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, This is a powerful verse and somebody asked me somebody said to me what a what a wise thing to pick that verse on this week in November in the United States and I was like folks I'm not that smart all right I'm not that smart God had a plan and we we're just going through the beatitudes and I can tell you that today this is a powerful verse in the midst of our midst of our world that we're living the bible is about peace you know all over the bible we see peace God talks about peace all over the Bible, and you see this word peace come up. As a matter of fact, if you were to search the Bible, you'd find out that this word comes up 400 times. You see a reference to peace. Uh, it's either peace with uh, peace with God, number one. We see that God wants us to have peace with Him. We see, number two, that it is also peace uh, among people. It's either individual peace, peace with uh, in relationships, or also peace on a national level. And so when you think about that, those types of peace, um, the, the, the peace is a pretty important subject in the Bible. Like God's Word, as you as you begin this, you've got to understand, as we're looking at this statement, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God, that this whole Bible is about peace. In the beginning of the book, if you read the first couple chapters, chapters 1 and 2, you'll see that the Bible starts out in peace. And God says, listen, there's one fruit that you can't eat of. Don't eat of this tree or you will surely die. And so what does man do? Man wages war against God. It was man's decision. Man decided that he was going to sin, that he was going to do to, uh, to to do wrong here. And so the war begins. And so after the second chapter in the Bible, you see from Genesis chapter 3 and you read the entire Bible, you see a war that is taking place basically between God and man. And God is not the one at war. We are at war with God. Our sin has separated us from a holy God and has put us at odds with God. And as a matter of fact, the greatest thing that we see in the Bible is the rescue mission that God came to make peace with us. Amen? It was His peace. Jesus came to make peace with you and I. He leaves heaven, comes down to earth, and He lives the perfect life. He goes to the cross. He dies on the cross, pays for your sin. And uh, the Scripture says that He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might have peace with God. And when God did that, that was the greatest gift ever. You read the Bible, you go all the way to the end of the Bible, and you'll see that peace comes back in the end. Read Revelation, go to the end of the book of the Bible, the end of Revelation in the Bible, and you'll read about the peace that comes from God and the, the peace that will be eternal. There will be eternal peace, like, like this is God's reign. We're going to reign forever in heaven with God in peace. Now, isn't that powerful? Because we don't know what that's like. We live in a world where we don't understand what peace is like. Like, how can we understand peace? Well, we have to begin with Christ. Peace, when you look at it in the Bible, um, quite often you'll see this Hebrew word in the Old Testament. It was shalom, okay? The Jewish people would quite often greet each other with that. And, you know, we would say good morning. They would quite often say shalom. And um, just look at your neighbor and say shalom, shalom. Okay, there you go. You guys are good. You guys are good at it, right? Uh, Peace, what they were saying there whenever they would say shalom, it wasn't just may you not have any battles today. It was may you experience peace. May you experience everything that is wonderful and good. May your whole being, may you have no battles, yes, but may your whole being, your mind, your heart, and your body. When they said shalom, that word peace encompassed Everything that may you experience this totality of well-being, of mind, heart, and body, and have this peace. And when God's called us to be peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. They will know that you belong to God by, because we're the peacemakers. Um, peacemakers understand that there's a power behind peace. Peace has a tremendous amount of power to it. And so there's a, uh, this incredible um, ability for us that God has given us to go out and become peacemakers. To take people that were at opposites and bring them together. Not just to have absence of battle, but to take people that are opponents to each other and that they can now be reconciled. The the scriptures talk about this thing, the ministry of reconciliation. That's what Jesus did for us. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he reconciled us. We were once enemies with God and God reconciled us unto himself. So he didn't just say the battle's over. He said that not only is the battle over, but you're my friend. And so God has given us that ministry of reconciliation. So as we move into this today, I want to give you, as far as being a peacemaker, I want to give you four basic truths that we've got to understand here today that are going to be encouraging to you as you are a peacemaker. And as we go throughout this week, I, I know that peace is absolutely necessary. Many people have, uh, have, have become at just absolute... Torture inside. Many people become uh, overwhelmed and and overtaken by politics and by the world that we're living in. And may I just share with you? Yes, we know that this world has been upside down, and it's been upside down for quite a while. Has it not been? Uh, This is nothing, something new, but it has been marching. Towards a, a total unrest. And so we are the people that God's called to be the peacemakers out there. So if you want to be happy this week, be a peacemaker. I'm going to give you some thoughts here. But first of all, we've got to understand that peace, the source of peace is God. Would you say that with me? The source of peace is God. God is the one who brings about peace. If you go in the New Testament, you'll find that he is called the God of peace six times that is talking about his person the person of god in his character he is peace if you look at all of his attributes he's holy he's just he's love all of his attributes they work together they are not at conflict with either one of them you know that's what happens in our life um whenever we're living we have conflict with some of our characteristics don't we like on one hand, I'm a pretty good guy, but over here, I'm not such a good guy, right? And so I have this conflict. In God, there is total peace. All His attributes are in complete harmony. And so when we understand that peace comes from Him, He is the source of peace. As a matter of fact, His name is peace. Um, over in Judges 6:24, look what Gideon built an altar. It says that Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. What he did was he was uh, he was referring to the name of God that is Jehovah Shalom Jehovah Shalom. And so it means the Lord is peace. And so as he gave him that name, I, I want to remind you that the Hebrews would often name you by the characteristic that they desired for you, right? And so here's a name for God. It is not just a name that makes you feel good, right? There are names that sometimes, you know, when a new baby's born, you pick a name because, well, it sounds good with your last name, and, and, you know, and it sounds good here. And, well, it was my uncle's name, or it was your dad's name, and, you know, now this kid's, you know, Ken the 24th and all that stuff. And, and so you just you have all these things that we pick out for names, right? Um, in the Hebrew culture, they picked it by the meaning of the name. My name, Ken, means handsome one. My mom was right on, wasn't she? She is on the money. No, I got my name because my dad's name was Ken. And I'm a junior, right? And uh, it's a good thing I didn't have a son or else it'd be Ken the third, right? That just sounds prestigious, Ken the third. Anyhow. Um, I could make Chris the third anyhow, right? Kreese, you want to be the third? You'd be the third, All right? So anyhow. Um, listen, his name is peace. It is his characteristic. So when we see a name for God in the Bible, listen, pay attention. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. So he is the Lord. He is in complete control. That Jehovah, he is, he is Lord. He's all total control. He is Shalom. He is peace. The Lord is peace. Not only is his character peace, but the way he operates is peace. His will is peace. The things that God does is peace. I, I want you to consider Jeremiah 29 11. Check this out. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. For I know the thoughts. God is saying here, he's talking to the nation of Israel, he says, listen, I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you. They are good thoughts. They are thoughts of peace, shalom, wholeness, prosperity, As a matter of fact, another translation translates it like this. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. That's the same word. Shalom. Peace. Prosper. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The fact that God is thinking about you is a miracle. Is it not? God is thinking about me and God is thinking about you. This is a complete miracle. You are not just a number in infinity. You are a name, and you're more than a name. You are a person, and God loves you. He is thinking about you, and he is thinking thoughts of peace about you, peace towards your life, peace towards uh, what he wants to accomplish in your will. He thinks about our peace to accomplish his perfect plan. And so God has a plan for each one of us. Uh, and you may have experienced some, uh, some unrest in your life. You may have experienced some non-peaceful times in your life. And I just want you to know that that does not thwart the thinking of God or the plans of God for your life. Amen? Like God is not, because you had a troubled time yesterday, does not mean that God does not love you. Uh, many people think this, uh, and you know what, the world wants us to think this. The world wants us to think the opposite of what God thinks. God says, I know what I'm thinking towards you. It is peace and it is the prosper. It's all good. It's total shalom for your life. And the world wants you to think that God doesn't love you. The world wants you to think because you screwed up like God could not love you. Listen, God loves you so much that the price tag for your soul had Jesus' name on it. It was the price tag of your soul was for His Son. The Son of God went to the cross and He paid for your sin once for all forever. He rose again that you might have eternal life. And so human history starts in peace. Sin enters the picture. But Jesus says, I am going to take care of this. And He comes to the cross. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came to the earth, He came in peace. The angel, and you know, we're going to be talking about Christmas here not far away in the next... Eight weeks here um, for the, uh, the angel. When the angel came and they announced the birth. Check this out. The angel says, glory to God. We'll go to the next verse. Luke two fourteen. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The, the mission of Jesus was to bring peace so that you might have peace with God. That was the mission. So that he could rescue your soul so that you and God could be reconciled. You were at odds with God. God's holiness. He is, he is perfect. He's a sinless. And, and we can't even compete. We can't even comprehend that. And Jesus comes and he says, I am going to die on the cross so that you and God can be reconciled. So that the two of you may have a relationship, that you might have a relationship with God. Luke 19.14, Jesus, as he was teaching and and living his life, um, his subjects hated him and uh, they rejected him. And it says, the scriptures tell us here, Luke gives the account that they said, we don't want this man to be our king. So they had a total rejection of Jesus Christ. Luke 12.51 says, do you think that I came to bring peace? But now... Um, it is hidden from your eyes. Look here. He says, "I even." Uh, I'm sorry. We, we jumped ahead there. We'll go back there. Luke 12:51. Maybe I don't have it on the screen. Luke 12:51 says, "Do you think I came to bring priest, peace on earth? No, I tell you, uh, there's a part of division." And what he was saying when he said that he's, he's saying, listen, that there, when Jesus's message came, that his message was so different that it would actually there would be a divide. Like like there, it, in some cultures, you know, when you follow Jesus today, in some cultures they walk away from family. Like family just has to like like. Uh, In some parts of our world, if you said, I'm a follower of Jesus, your family disowned you because you became a follower of Jesus. And that's what he was referring to. Jesus wasn't saying, listen, I've come so that you would be divided. No, he says, I've come so that you would have peace. But you understand that if you follow me, there is going to be some differences and that he is different than what the world is offering. And then over in Luke 19:14 he says this, on the day that he comes in on the on the donkey, he's riding on the donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and he's bawling his eyes out. The scripture says he cried and the Greek word there was cried, he bawled uncontrollably. He looks over the city of Jerusalem and he says this, "If you, Jerusalem, if you had even known only this day what would bring you peace, it was Jesus" If you would have known that he was the Messiah, if you could totally understand this, what would bring you peace? However, now it is hidden from your eyes. And to this day, many people, it is hidden from their eyes. God has called us to peace. Jesus came so that we might have peace. And the peace comes through him. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself is peace. Jesus was God's peacemaker. As Jesus was a peacemaker to come so that we might have peace, he's called you, he's called me to go out and to be peacemakers. Now check this out here. Ephesians 2.14 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away from God, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, it was the cross of Jesus that brought you near to Christ. And look what he continues. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace? So God is the source of peace, and it has to start there. And, and I want to encourage you because I know this week, um, and listen, it's not just this week. It's been for months. You've been facing troubled, troubled times, troubled things in your soul. And many people are like, um, just, just, this is all they can talk about. But I want you to be able to talk about something higher than what's going on out there. I want you to talk about what's going on up there. God has given you peace, and he, he is trying to work in your life. And so if you'll trust Jesus as your Savior, he promises peace. John 14, 27, check this out. Jesus said this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I don't give you peace like the world gives. You know, the world gives peace and says, well, just be a pacifist. Don't, just, don't, just don't deal with anything. Don't have any conflict. That's not peace. That's pacifist. Um, peace is, he says you're going to stand for righteousness we just went through this, these future, the statements before this it says hey we're going to go out and we're going to stand for righteousness we're going to be pure of heart and, uh, and we're, going to, we're going to be stayed on what God wants us to do but I want you to be a peacemaker peace I leave with you my peace I give to you God has a ministry of reconciliation he says so I'm leaving that ministry of reconciliation for you I am giving you my peace Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Last week we talked about the heart. There's emotions involved. There's the the will. There's the center of who you are. So God says, I want you to have my peace. But you're not going to get your peace from the world. There's nothing that this world has that will give you peace. Look at the next verse here. John 16, 33. In Christ, he says, I have told you these things so that in me, in Christ, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble. There's no doubt about it. You will have trouble. So what does the world offer? Let's look at this verse here. He says, I have told you this so that in me you may have peace. You will find peace in Jesus Christ. You will not find peace in this world. What will you find in the world? Trouble. You'll find trouble in the world. And so this is this is what the world has to offer. Folks, as we approach this week and uh, and it's election week, I realize there's a lot at stake. And we hear this. And let me tell you, there's a lot at stake every election. This is a big election and every election is big. I want you to understand today that God has something for you. If you are looking to get your peace from who gets in office this week or, or whatever happens by all this election, you will not have peace. You will have trouble even if it is the candidate that you voted for. And I want to encourage us all. Listen, uh, we should go out and vote. God has called us to to be proper citizens of the United States. That's the country we live in. We are going to be citizens and act uh, as good citizens in our country. And so I want to encourage every one of us to go out and vote. Um, You know, and if, if you're voting for the guy that I'm not voting for you can vote on Wednesday but I'm voting on Tuesday okay and so uh, I I just want you to uh, to go out and vote and uh, and listen I don't ha- the church is not the place where we have to get rallied around a political candidate do you realize that the church has a place of unity the mission of the church is bigger than politics amen it's way bigger because listen no matter what happens in 4 years we got to do this again and in four years, we'll do it again. And, and man, a date. So, uh, listen, I've read some Christians out there that say don't vote. And I, I disagree with that. As I read God's Word, you are to go out and you're to vote and take God with you. Go in there and, and be an honest before God. And listen, if you seek God and you ask God, I'll, let, I'll, I'll settle with that. Whatever God tells you to do in that booth, I'll be all right with that. And, uh, and I don't have to. I, uh, you, you guys are smart people. I don't have to tell you what to do. Because you don't listen anyhow. So, I mean, I don't have to tell you what to do, all right? But uh, what, what I want to share with you is this. Go into the voting booth and vote this week, but don't get your peace from that voting booth. Don't get your peace. You see, the world is only going to give you trouble. So if you go there, and let's say your candidate wins, there's going to be trouble the next week. And if your candidate loses, there's going to be trouble next week. There's There's nothing. And so... He says, listen, the world, you'll have trouble. There's two systems. There's God's system and the world system. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you don't have God, what is the most powerful thing that we have? It would be government. It would be the highest power. It would be government. But we know that God supersedes government. God is higher than all things government. So understand that as the world is not at peace, do you know why the world is not at peace? Because they're not at Jesus. I saw somebody had a a yard sign that said, Jesus 2020. Wasn't that cool? I I didn't put it up in my yard, but I saw it in somebody else's yard. I just thought it was so cool, so cool. And, and, And I want you to catch this because Jesus is the only hope. There is no other hope I, I, I know many people are passionate and we should be passionate and we should go out and we should stand for righteousness and, and listen, to the, the, he's gone through these things, but this is like the next level. He didn't start out with blessed are sort of the peacemakers, he said, start out with blessed are sort of the poor in spirit. He says, you've got to get humble before you can become a peacemaker. You've got to get on God's page before you can become a peacemaker. You've got to understand his peace and you have to receive his peace before you can help anybody else have peace. So I want to encourage you this week, go out there, but don't get your peace from what happens out there because it is short-lived no matter what happens. And I know this, that that I don't know what's going to happen in our future, and I've been saying this for about nine months now, but I know who knows the future. And when the pandemic first started, I just never thought that we'd ever see a day in the United States of America would shut down churches and tell people to stay home because of a virus. I just never comprehended that. And, folks, I'll tell you, um, it was really hard. And you, it was hard on you. It was hard on me. It's much more fun to speak when there's at least five of you out there. You know? And, uh, and listen, these doors will always be open from here out. Um, you can come in in a hazmat suit, uh, but I'll be here. And I want to encourage you. We're moving forward. My peace does not come, and your peace does not come from what happens in our world, what happens in your your financial status what happens in your health listen good health is wonderful we want good health but that is not where we get our peace from our peace must come from jesus and so this is polar opposite of what the world says right Uh, our god is the god of peace our savior is the prince of peace and our spirit the holy spirit is the spirit of peace he is the one who supplies the fruit of the spirit is peace in your life So the enemy of peace is sin. The second thing in your notes this morning, the enemy of peace is sin. Um, Say that with me. The enemy of peace is sin. Um, You'll always see there will always be opposition. Like I said, politics, the very nature of politics is division. The very nature of the church is unity. Unity. God has called us to become unified. And when we come into this church, we come from all different backgrounds. We come from different political backgrounds, different social backgrounds, different racial backgrounds. We are to be united in Jesus Christ. There's one thing. Why is that that we are united here? Is it because we all think the same? No. It's because we're all worshiping the same God. Amen? Let's thank Him for that this morning. We worship the same God. And as we come together, there will be disagreements, and that's just part of having different people. And I'm different, you're different, everybody's different. And uh, and God says, listen, I, I love all of you. I, no matter no matter what's going on out there, you're. I want you to have a relationship with me. And so the enemy of peace is sin. So we see that in our relationship with God. Sin prohibits this free relationship with God, right? Um, but it also... As uh, it, it, it messes up things in our life, when sins involved, it just destroys. It destroys relationship. You won't have peace in a marriage relationship when sins involved. If there's a, if there's a sin issue, hidden or non-hidden, it will destroy the relationship. The enemy of peace is sin. Uh, Isaiah 32:17 said, "The fruit of righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever." The fruit of righteousness is peace. We'll go over to James chapter 4, verse 1, and you'll see what causes fights and quarrels. And this is so interesting because as you're looking at the world we're living in, look at uh, everything that you have to deal with right now. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires? Uh, uh, do, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So he says, what causes the problems out there? What causes the trouble? They come from the desire from within you. And so the number one conflict that we have is with ourself. And so we take this conflict because we have this conflict with ourself. And then James 4.2 continues on. He says, he says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask of God. So, in other words, this, this struggle from within, and now you, you, you know, you gotta to surrender to God. He's saying, you're not surrendering to what God wants and His will. You're not coming and talking to Him. Um, listen, this is where the battles are coming from. He continues on, verse three is when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. So, so you know, you're going to God and you're you're, you're praying and you're asking him, but it's all for selfish motives. It's all to feed that, that selfish desire inside. So he's saying, look at the conflict. And folks, if you look and see all the battles that happen, quarrels and fightings, James was right. It all comes down to selfishness and all these these problems here. You adulterous people, don't you know, verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Talk about the enemies of God. He continues on. And you see from there, first of all, uh, verse 4 says that the, the world is the enemy of God, right? So if you want to think the enemies of God, think of the enemies of peace here is, is, is the world, uh, the flesh, you know, that's that, that's that desire, verse, uh, verse one there. The desires that come from within you that you're battling with. And then verse seven, he goes on, he talks about the devil. And I think most people said that the only, the only opposition is the devil. Well, I think the devil doesn't have to work as hard sometimes because I've got enough problems within my own flesh. And so the flesh, the world, the system of the world, the way, listen, the world system is division. God's system is come unto me, all that are weak and heavy laden, all that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We are united when we worship around Christ. Whoever sides with the enemy declares war on God is what, what he said here. If you side with the world, you declare war on God. Whenever you declare war on God, you become a troublemaker, not a peacemaker. And so I want to encourage us as a church, as followers of Christ, to become peacemakers. Let's go out and be the people who make peace, not just the absence of conflict, but who help sit down with people who are from opposite sides and help them get together. I want to encourage you with this. Um, have you ever sat down with somebody who's not like you? You ever sat down with somebody and had dinner with somebody that, that doesn't believe like you do, that doesn't act like you do, that doesn't think like you do? I've had this from many, many times in my life. I'll never forget several years ago, I was sitting down with somebody. He was an atheist, and he told me right now, he goes, I don't know if you want to hang out with me. I don't believe in God. I said, I'd love to hang out with you. He says, I don't want you preaching at me. I said, I just want to have dinner. I preach on Sunday. And you know what? We're still friends. I remember years ago, somebody came up to me, and they were... They were um, just doing things that were total opposite of what God teaches in His Word. This person came up to me. I was leading a young adult group, and I'll never forget. said, you know what? Thank you so much for allowing me to come. You know, I am, my life is total opposite of everything you guys teach here. And, and I said, that's cool. Could we come and hang out with you? And this person worked at Arby's down here, so it gave me a good excuse. Went down to Arby's took my wife down to Arby's and this person was working at Arby's and, and they came out from behind and they sat down. And this person said, aren't you afraid of what people say when they see you with me? And I said, no. Why? I was making peace. I did not need to win the battle. I'm trying to win their heart. And that's what peacemakers do. We don't win battles. We win their hearts. I want to encourage you today to come and bring people unto Jesus. Listen, peace does not mean that we're laying down and becoming a wet blanket. It means that we are still standing for righteousness. We are still taking God and moving forward with the things of God. But I want to encourage you today to become a peacemaker and think more about winning somebody's heart than winning somebody's battle. Nobody ever came to God because they won a battle. And so God wants us to, uh, to help win their hearts. Jesus is looking for their heart. And then lastly today, I want to encourage you to think about this, that, um, that we are God's peace corps. We are God's peace corps. God has called us to be the, the peace corps. Um, blessed are the peacemakers. You go out and you make peace. That's what God's called us to do. Titus 3 says, at one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were away from God. Yet we've now experienced peace. And over here in Romans 5.1, let's read Romans 5.1 together. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. How do we have peace? We have peace through what Jesus did on the cross. We have been made right with God. Now we have peace. God has made the peace. You're struggling this week. How do I have peace? How do I get to have peace in my life? Well, God gave a little prescription for peace. It's pretty powerful. Go over to uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And this is pretty cool here. This is his prescription for peace. Uh, I know some of you are struggling. And listen, I realize that the, the, the election is not the only thing you're struggling with. There's many things you're struggling with. So take this and apply it to wherever you're dealing with unpeace, unrest. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Don't be anxious. That's where it's got to... Listen, whenever I come and I I turn on the TV and I listen to this and I listen to that and somebody gets me sideways and this and that, that's when I get anxious. But when I pray, He says, don't be anxious, but pray. That's when it changes. He says, pray and with a... Great heart, a thankful heart, present your request to God. So I'm praying for our country. I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for you. I pray for your spiritual well-being. I'm asking God to work in your life. I see things that are happening in people's lives. And I say, oh, God, that wasn't good over there. And I, when I think of the, the, the bad things that happen in somebody's life, I go to anxiousness. God says, don't go to anxiousness over that. Go to prayer. All right. Continues on. Verse 7. If you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your mind. If you do this, if you will pray with a thankful heart, make your request known before the Father, He says the peace of God will guard your heart. Last week we talked about your heart. That emotional con, that, that emotional part that, that that gets unrest, that inner self, right. The grace of God, the peace of God, will that that pa- passes all understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your mind, will guard your thoughts. And he continues on. He says, whatever finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Don't think about that over there. This guy's got this going on and you're the pastor and you're worried about their life and you don't want to see them wreck their life. God says, don't place your mind on that. Yeah, we have to deal with this and you try to help the guy not wreck his life. But God, God, I'm coming to you and I can't dwell on this over there. I have to dwell on what is honest and lovely and pure and the good things. He says, keep your mind there. And then he goes on, he says, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received and heard from me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's one thing to know to pray. It's another thing to pray. Have you ever noticed somebody on Facebook or social media will put up prayers needed? Then all of a sudden, there's hundreds of people put praying, 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 praying. Do you ever wonder if all those people are praying? Or is it just a greeting? Or is it just, oh, that's too bad you're going through that? God says, don't just say it. He says, do it. You experience it. Like, He's saying, try me. Go ahead and do this, and you will experience peace. So, how have I been able to have peace through a pandemic? Oh, man, I've been taking all my anxious thoughts to God. Oh, I had a lot of them. And I had to reset that mind every day. And I got to say, okay, God, I need you to work in my heart and my life. You know, Jesus said to come to come, and to love your enemies. Peacemakers, we're going to love our enemies. We're going to, uh, he says here in in Romans, he says, uh, uh, in verse 20, he says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. I'm going to tell you what I do every year on election day. I go down, and, you know, there's all those people down there that, you know, there's two sides to the vote, right? And uh, and so I know who I'm voting for before I go down, but there's always somebody down there handing me a card. And you know what I do? I go down, and I take pizza. You say, what? You know all those people that are working the polls? They're there all day, and they're hungry. And you know, Some of them have a little brown bag. Others are famished in the corner over there, you know? Uh, and so I, I take pizza and i take I take enough pizza for all the poll for all the poll workers and and for the people outside that that i'm not going to vote for and And you know when you do that, you hand them a pizza they're like, "Wow, I never knew that you cared. I give pizza to Republicans and Democrats both. You have to put red pepperoni on, I guess, for some of them to eat it. I don't know, right? Listen, I give it to both of them. Why? Because God says, if your enemy's hungry, feed them. Give them. Care for them. I want to encourage you. What could you do at your poll place this year? What could you do? Maybe you voted in the mail. You voted early. You voted often. I don't know what you've done already. But listen, go, go out and uh, vote again, all right? But I, I want to encourage you. Yeah, strike that from the record, all right? So um, I want to encourage you to go out and be a peacemaker out there. And never underestimate the power of a seed because those are seeds of peace. Never underestimate. The last thought in your notes is never underestimate the power of a seed. Um, James 3.18 says that those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. You know, when I take pizza down here and I give it to everybody, that's a seed of peace. Whenever I sit down with my friend who doesn't believe in God, that's a seed of peace. When I sit down with my friend over here who, has a, uh, uh, who lives socially, completely socially different than I live, I, I am planting seeds of peace. I'm not winning battles. I'm planting seeds of peace. And what happens, I want, I want you to catch this, that seed goes in there, and the weight of the soil on top of that seed is, is it two times the weight of the seed? Is it three times? Is it ten times the weight of the seed? What is it? And all of a sudden the miracle happens. It starts to grow And as it keeps growing, it moves mountains. Literally, like this little seed moves all this. I planted some grass in my backyard and I can't believe it. It's growing already in like in two weeks' time because that little seed has a miracle that happens and and this growth happens and it it grows. and, And pretty soon, God says, if you plant the seed of peace, you will reap righteousness. So I want to encourage you. We have to first receive peace. And so this week... As uh, as we go and depart from this place, I want we're going to close with a song, It Is Well With My Soul. I, I think that in order for us to understand this, we've got to understand no matter what happens in your world or in our world, in our, in our political scheme, in, in your job, in your family, whatever it is out there, God says, I want you to understand that your soul matters to me. And if you will come and get that peace with God first, it will transform your life. Uh, It is Well is a powerful song, and I've chosen this to close with today because, um, let me give you the background to It is Well with my soul. It was written in 1871 by a man named Horatio Spafford. He knew all about life's up and downs, and let me tell you what happened to Horatio Spafford. He was a successful attorney, he was a real estate investor, and he lost a fortune in 1871 in the Great Chicago Fire. Around that same time, he had a four-year-old son that died of scarlet fever. So he had insurmountable loss already, and so he's thinking a vacation would do his family some good. And uh, he sent his wife and four daughters ahead on a ship to England, planning to join them afterwards after he finished some pressing business that he had to do at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio's precious daughters. His wife, Anna, survived. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that said, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail to England. At one point during his, during his trip on the way, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford the family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, he had peace in his heart. He had peace that passes all understanding. He wrote down these words that have become the song that we have sung for years. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot what thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And folks, as we close the service today, I want you to be able to say, it is well with my soul. You know what? No matter what happens out there, it's going to happen. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be ugly all week long. It could be ugly for years long. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you this. It can be well with your soul. And that will change your life. Let's close in prayer before we sing today. and Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you... Would you come to Jesus today? Would you open your heart and just trust Him? And just say, dear God, I I need you. I need your peace. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And God, I I invite you into my heart. God, I want that peace that passes all understanding. I can't get it anywhere. The world can't offer me the peace. You said it, Lord. So God, I need your peace today. And for others in this church today, I want to invite you to be a peacemaker. Uh, if you're listening online, open your heart to Jesus. Will you open your heart to become a peacemaker, to help people find peace? And, and we, we are planting seeds of peace out there. We're not winning battles. We're, we're planting seeds of peace to win people's hearts. And I want to encourage you today. Would you begin to pray and ask God? It starts with your soul, folks. Don't go home and try harder. Get peace in your soul. Father God, I thank You for this day. I ask that You'll be honored and adored as we leave this place, Lord. Use our people to be the peacemakers in our world that so need it more now than ever. God, be honored and adored as we close in singing this song. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing this song, It Is Well With My Soul. Amen. Aren't you glad you were here today? Let's thank our great God. What a great God. I haven't heard you sing like that in a long time. You guys were belting that out. Let's go be peacemakers this week. Amen. God bless you, for they will call you the sons of God. Have a great week.
3: Yeah.